The text for this morning's worship service is taken from Psalm 68, the verses 19 through 21. Let's read that once again. Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Salah. Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. Surely God will crush the heads of his enemies, the hairy crowns of those who go on in their sins. After the sermon, we will sing from Psalm 106, the stanzas 23 and 24. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, and that includes you, boys and girls, and teenagers, young people. Psalm 68 is a psalm of celebration. It is a celebration of the glorious and triumphant rule of the Lord God. At the same time, this psalm is a psalm of remembrance. That is clear from the way that this psalm begins. For this psalm opens with an echo of the words with which the ark set out on all its journeys during the times of Israel in the wilderness. For each time the ark would set out, Moses would say, as we can read in Numbers 10, verse 35, Rise up, O Lord, may your enemies be scattered, may your foes flee before you. And these words are very similar to verse 1 of this psalm. And so this The beginning of this psalm reminds us of that glorious time in Israel's history. The Lord God had rescued his people from the land of Egypt, and now he led the way before them as they made their way through the wilderness. And Israel saw their enemies scattered before them. And it was God's doing. It was all his doing. He was the one who opened up the waters of the Red Sea and led his people on dry land. He was the one who defeated all the enemies on the way to the promised land. He was the one who gave them manna to eat. He gave them everything they needed for body and soul. And now this psalm begins by remembering those wonderful days, how God has dealt with his people. But when we celebrate, we do more than look at the past. We also look at the present. We give thanks for what God has done and what he is doing at the moment. And that is what this psalm does as well. In the verses 24 and following, David speaks about the procession that has come into view, the procession of his God and king into the sanctuary. David refers here to the ark being brought into the temple of the Lord. He is talking about his own time when that same God who showed his power and might when he rescued Israel from Egypt and her other enemy, that he is now that same God and who will enter into the sanctuary in the same way. He is that same God, the power, the God of power and salvation. And he shows that in the way he scattered David's enemies before him. Time and again, David and his army was victorious. 
And David is looking forward to the day that that ark will be brought into the temple once again when Solomon builds the temple. The Lord God will always do that. For he will always bless his people and save them. For towards the end of this psalm, David speaks about the future glory of Israel as well. He speaks about the fact that God will always rule the nations. The time will come when peoples from all over the world will worship at his feet. He speaks not only of the time of Pentecost, but beyond that to the end of time when the evil one will have been completely taken care of and eradicated, done away with. Bluff congregation today is also for us a day of celebration. That is the way it is for us every first day of the week, but also at certain historical moments. It was about a month ago that it was 60 years ago that the church here in Edmonton was instituted. And so it is also for us a time of remembrance and looking forward. It is not a time to boast of any of our accomplishments, but only of God's accomplishment. David does not do that either, nor should he. David knows what a sinful man he is. David knows that he sinned against God and his fellow man, including his children, his family, in many, many ways. And for that reason, David gives thanks to God. And that is especially what we see in the verses which have been chosen as the text for this morning's service. David states that praise belongs to God, for he is the one alone who saves. He alone rescues his people from the enemy. He alone gives good gifts. Nothing here on earth comes from the hand of man, and therefore only God receives the praise. And that's the way it ought to be, for it is also in spite of our sins that God continues to gather his church here. It is in spite of our sinful ways that God has preserved us so that we can indeed celebrate. He is the one who preserves his church. That's what I want to preach to you about this morning. The theme is, Our Lord God blesses and preserves his church. We will see three things. First, that he bears our burdens. Secondly, that he protects us from harm. And finally, that he defeats our enemies. As I said, we're all sinful people. We stumble our way through life. If it were not for God to guide us into the right direction and to pick us up when we fall down, then we, like everyone else, would be on the road to destruction. And that is the way it has been throughout history. Look at the history of Israel. As we saw, God led his people Israel into the promised land. If it were not for him, Israel would have remained in Egypt and would have been assimilated. The Israelites would have been no different than the Egyptians themselves. Do you think that Israel would have entered the promised land if it were not for a God who continually protected his people and guided them along? Of course not. He is the one who defeated Israel's enemies. He is the one who over and over showed his power so that they could remember who their God is, the Almighty God, the Creator whom man must worship. David says in the text that the Lord our God daily bears our burdens. The idea is not, as the King James has it, 
that the Lord God daily loads us with benefits. Those who are reading from their King James Version or the New King James Version will note that the word benefits is indicated in italics. That is because that word was not in the original language. No, as the NIV says correctly, the Lord daily bears our burdens. In the original language, it literally says that the Lord God daily loads up for us. The verb that is used here is used of the loading up of a pack of animals. It is used, for example, in Genesis 44 verse 13, where we read that all the brothers of Joseph loaded their donkeys. Also, although nowadays we have cars and other modes of transportation, in those days animals were used to carry man and his belongings. Without pack animals, man's life would have been much more difficult. He would not be able to travel very far, for he would have to carry his own provisions for the journey. Pack animals such as horses and donkeys were very important. They took the load off your feet and off your back. And the picture that David wants us to have in mind is that the Lord God does the same thing as a horse or a donkey would do, namely to carry all our burdens. He carries us and whatever baggage we may be carrying with us. And what kind of baggage is that that we carry? What kind of burdens does the Lord God carry for us? Well, of course, you understand that David is speaking here figuratively. He means that the Lord carries our burdens in a spiritual way. Think about what he has done for Israel. He says, for example, in verse 9, that God gave abundant showers. He gave them from his bounty. He provided for the poor, he says in verse 10. And that is the way what he has done time and again for his people Israel. But that is also what he does for you and for me. Think about the times that we worried about our particular situation in life. How often have you not come into this building, into the church building, with a great weight on your shoulders? You were worried about things, your job, your business, your mortgage payments, your ability to make financial contributions to the church or to the school. You were worried about your overall financial situation. You were wondering whether or not you were going to make it. Yet, the Lord has provided, hasn't he? And what about all the other worries about our loved ones, for example? Think about the many kinds of things you and I have had to deal with over the years and all the anxieties that come along with caring about others who are dear to us. And what about the life of the church? A lot has happened in the last 60 years. There were times when it seems that the church would be split apart because of unrest and bickering and division and because of unfaithfulness. For there has been much unfaithfulness from everyone, including the consistory, including from the ministers of this congregation. There has been a lot of sin. And yet God continues to bless us. He has kept us faithful in spite of it all. Nevertheless, there are still many things that really worry us. For example, in some circles there seems to be less appreciation for our confessions. Some of our young people are lured away by churches without confessions and without structure and without discipline. 
to churches where man is put in the center rather than God. And what is worse yet, some are lured away by the world, preferring to follow their own flesh, their own desires, rather than God's spirit. Today there is also a freer attitude towards Lord's Day observance. Some see nothing wrong with going to sports events on a Sunday rather than attending church. Or they see nothing wrong with working on the Lord's Day. Those are just some issues. There are more. Where is it all going? What is going to happen to the church? But have you noticed how the Lord God time and again has put us to shame? Over the years he has provided for you with everything that you need both physically and spiritually. He has fed you, he has clothed you, he has provided you with a roof over your head. You and I absolutely lack nothing, do we? And what else? He continues to gather his church here in Edmonton. In spite of our unfaithful ways, the Lord continues to regard us as his people. He continues to keep a people faithful to himself. Indeed, in spite of us, the Lord God continues to gather his church. Isn't that wonderful? He has carried us throughout all the years. Whatever we made crooked, he straightened out. And he continues to do that. Satan would like nothing better than to have us divided and at odds with each other. Yet now we have sister church relationships with many faithful reformed federations. In spite of difficulties and differences that continue to exist, we still have contact with each other and forge closer union with one another. And the Lord will bless us as long as we want to remain faithful to his word. And those things, brothers and sisters, happen in spite of us. They happen in spite of the hostilities and the barriers that we ourselves continually put up in spite of our shortcomings and mistakes and stupidities and unfaithfulness, God continues to gather us here in Edmonton. And in the final analysis, it has nothing to do with any of us. It has to do with God's faithfulness. He blesses us. That's what some people think. They think that their faithfulness is being blessed. They think that it is because they saw things so sharply and because they were so diligent in dotting the eyes that this can be called a true church. Well, if that is what you think, then you are mistaken. For it is not because of man's faithfulness in the first place, but because of God's faithfulness. He is the one who watches over you and me all the time. As it says in Psalm 122, verse 4, He who watches over Israel will neither slumber or sleep. However, the Lord God does want us to respond to his faithfulness. Otherwise, he will not bless us. And that also has been shown throughout the years. We, as God's people, have responded to him. We continue to want to gather here every Sunday and to make our financial contributions so that the ministry can continue here in Edmonton and throughout the world. And he also gives us the financial means to be able to construct a house for worship. And he has given us the faithfulness also to support this. And he has blessed us because of this. Ultimately, of course, we can never pat ourselves on the back. 
for our obedience is possible only through him. He is the one who saves us and keeps on saving us. We come to the second point. The text says that our God is a God who saves. In the original language, it actually says that our God is a God of salvations. It uses the plural. God does not just save us once. No, he does so over and over. It is a continuous activity. And that is also what Israel experienced. And that is what David is speaking about here in this psalm. Oh sure, one of the great acts of redemption that David remembers is the time when God rescued Israel from Egypt. At that time, God drowned Pharaoh and all his hosts in the Red Sea. God gave Israel escape from the hands of her enemies. But God has continued to do that throughout the history of that nation. Time and again, he saved Israel. He rescued Israel from its enemies, from its oppressors. But you know what the greatest gift of salvation of all is, don't you? It is our salvation from sin. God has rescued us from the evil one. That is the great salvation David writes about as well. And especially in some of the other Psalms. Think of Psalm 51 and Psalm 32. There he speaks about the salvation from sin as such. David speaks about the great joy that such salvation brings. He says in Psalm 32, verse 1 and 2, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him. But for us today, such forgiveness has even greater meaning. For we know that our salvation is through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he saves us, he saves you and me from our sins. David and the people of Israel were still looking forward to the coming of that great Savior. But for you and for me, it is an established fact. The Christ, the Anointed One, has come. He has pitched his tent among us and has risen up to save us from our sins. And that, beloved is what our celebration should always be all about. Every Sunday, every first day of the week, the greatest thing that has happened to us as God's people is that we have been saved from our sins. And that is the only thing that is truly worth celebrating. That, beloved, is what it is all about. It is about giving glory to God that he has saved us from our sins. For that means that all is well between God and us, in spite of us. And that means that God has opened the doors wide to us, to you and to me. We may enter into his sanctuary. We may experience his presence. We may live forever with him. What a wonderful heritage we have. But there is more. God is a God, the text reminds us, who saves us all the time. For we need to be rescued all the time. In spite of the great act of redemption of Jesus Christ, we still live in a world which is full of sin, where Satan is still the prince of this world. And that is how come we stumble all the time. And then the Lord God has to pick us up, which he does, if we let him. And time and again, we go on the wrong path, don't we? 
And then God has to bring us back on the right path. And he does that as well. He has to do that for you and me as individuals. He also has to do that for us as church. All the time we are in danger of going astray. And then God time and again has to come to us to rescue us. It says in the text that from the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, young people, we are constantly exposed to danger. We live in a world that does not know God and that wants to draw us away from him. We live in a world where Satan rules but where God has broken through, through his son Jesus Christ, that he may rule in our lives. And we are in danger also physically. Illnesses and accidents happen all the time. How many times has the Lord not saved us from death and serious harm? For we all have experienced accidents accidents or illnesses at one time or another and for some of us it seemed even that we might die from our injuries or our illnesses but God has rescued you he gives healing and in this way he continually reminds us that he is the God of life he reminds you that salvation comes from him alone Oh, sure, there are also doctors and medicines and hospitals and nurses and all kinds of other things. But don't ever forget that all those things come from his fatherly hands. He is the one who saves us. Of course, unbelievers are also rescued from illnesses and accidents. But even though they will not recognize it, that is also God's doing. For God reminds in this way all of mankind that he is the God of life. Those who do not acknowledge him as such thereby reject him and his rule. And they do so to their own condemnation. Ultimately, they will lose their life. For only the Lord of life has the key of death. No one and nothing can take our life unless the Lord allows it. Not even Satan with all his demon can touch you or me. All the devils in the world, all the devils in the whole universe could not destroy even the least lamb in God's flock. He preserves us. You may say, well, what about the ones who died then? What about those who had accidents or illnesses and whom we had to put into the grave? Indeed, it is true that over the years many of our loved ones have been taken away from us. The Lord God has also rescued them and all those who put their trust in God from death. For those bodies must come out of that grave. They do not stay there. Our loved ones will be reunited with their spirit. For those who die in the Lord do not really die. They have eternal life. God has rescued them from death through him who conquered death, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's also what we celebrate today, brothers and sisters. We are celebrating the fact that we have that great hope, that we have that great comfort, which only a Christian can have. For we know where those who died in the Lord truly are. They are with their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
That's where they are right now. That is your comfort. They receive that gift through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And it is that faith that is being kindled here every Sunday through the preaching. It is that faith which is being kindled in our homes every time we, ge- we read from God's word and we meditate on it. It is that faith we may share in our study meetings and in our Parkland Emmanuel Canadian Reformed Church. The Lord God gives us so many reasons for thankfulness. And David so clearly saw that in such a wonderful song of praise. That is why he begins this text with stating that praise be to the Lord. For we do grumble and complain a lot, don't we? And sometimes we think that God deals harshly with us. And we look at others and we see what's happening and we complain. And we look at everybody else except ourselves. But do you know what you and I deserve, brothers and sisters? Because of our own sins, which are so many, we deserve death. And yet God gives you life, eternal life. Every day that he gives you is a gift from God. And he wants you to praise his name. He wants you to give thanks to him. And he does not just give us here life on earth. No, he gives you abundant life. If it were not for God's care and guidance, then you could be in the poorhouse, or in prison, or even in hell. But he spared you. He gave you his commandments. And it is through his loss, kept through his son Jesus Christ, that he saves you. He also saves you from his enemies. And that's the last point we want to consider this morning. It says in verse 21 that God will surely crush crush the heads of his enemies. Note well that the text does not speak here about your enemies or about David's enemies. No, about his enemies. For you see, your enemies are God's enemies. And God's enemies are your enemies. Dave knew that those who oppose Israel, those who oppose God's church, oppose God. For Israel is God's nation. And those nations who are about to destroy God's people are out to destroy the apple of God's eyes. His people are very precious to him. It is for that reason that the Lord God every time and again rescued Israel from the foreign nations who are out to destroy them. But ultimately, who is the greatest enemy of God and of us all? That is Satan. Satan is out to destroy you. Satan is out to destroy this church. Make no mistake about it. He did everything in his power to try to prevent Christ from being born. But he was not successful. And he tried to prevent Christ from fulfilling his task. But he was not successful at that either. And now he does everything in his power to destroy God's church. Also the Emmanuel Canadian Reformed Church and all other faithful churches. And in that regard, he is not successful, is he? God's church continues to exist here on this earth. It continues to exist all over the world. God's church has existed from the very beginning and will exist to the very end. You may be absolutely sure of that. But ask yourself a question. Will I be part of that church? Will my children, will my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren? For it is true that 
it is all God's doing that the church is gathered here in, on earth. But he gives each and every one of us responsibilities. To the parents to be faithful. To show faithfulness to their children. And to the grandparents also to show that they love God. And that also their grandchildren may do that. They, want to have, they have to see their faithfulness through them. For you see, it is possible to reject God and to reject the victory that he's won for you. It is possible to fall for Satan's devious plans, and some do. Also here in Edmonton, there have been those who have fallen away. They no longer belong to church. They no longer live in the victory of Christ. And for that reason, you have to take that enemy very seriously. You are called to faithfulness. Don't grumble, first of all, about the unfaithfulness of others. Not that that, that that does not concern you, it does. But what concerns you, first of all, is yourself. What you have to worry about in the first place is whether or not you are doing God's will. Do you also let God's Spirit guide you? Is loyalty to Him important to you? Do you follow Him rather than man? What kind of example are you? Young people, how do you show your faithfulness? Why are you here this morning? Is it out of a true desire to serve the Lord? Or are you here only because your parents want you to? Well, it's a good thing that you are here. And also that you are obedient to your parents in that regard. But there is more. How do you show your faithfulness? Do you experiment with drugs? Are you sleeping with your girlfriend or your boyfriend? Are you living the life of a worldly person and just show up here on a Sunday morning and perhaps also an afternoon? Keep God's commandments. If you do that day by day, then God will continue to gather you as part here of this church no matter where that church may be. And he will bless you into your old age. But you have to be obedient. But please don't ever think that your watchfulness and your diligence is going to keep you part of God's church. Don't think that you have anything of your own ultimately, ultimately to rely on or to boast of. Let us never pat ourselves on the back. That's what worldly people do. They think that their strength lies in themselves. The Lord wants us to remain humble and to give him the praise and the glory. We're only doing our duty when we remain faithful. The text refers to those kinds of people when it says that God will crush the hairy crowns of those who go on in their sins. To the pagan, an abundance of hair was a sign of strength. People of the world depend on their own strength to get things done. They believe that they are the author of their own destinies. But a believer seeks his strength from the Lord. He looks to him to rescue him from the enemy and give praise to the Lord God who has all things in his hands. For it is in spite of your sins that God blesses you and me. As David says, praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, 
To praise the Lord means to speak well of him. It means to speak about all the wonderful things that God has done for you. It is the opposite of taking God for granted. It is the opposite of giving praise to yourself for being so faithful. It is the opposite of complaining and grumbling. You must praise God and speak well of him. Is that what is done in your home? Or do you only refer to what God demands from you? Of course, that's important. But you must begin by being thankful. Thankful for the redemption from your sins. Thankful for the gift of regeneration. Thankful for the gift of adoption as children and heirs. For that is the greatest thing in your life. And that is the greatest thing in the life of this church. And that is what we must proclaim not only from this pulpit, but that also must be proclaimed in your homes and in our schools. To the Lord God belongs the praise, for he has been good. God has been good in the past, and he is good to us right now, and he will be good to us in the future, no matter what happens. For he, through his Son, has won the victory over the evil one. He preserves your life. He preserves his church. Amen.